Hello, everyone. Welcome to Classic Vinyl Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Justin, and I am happy to be beside my other host, Tyler. Here I am. You're here again, aren't you? Beside you. Well, you're actually across from me. Yeah, ish. Yeah, ish. Yeah, and I'm glad to be back. This is a fun album. Yeah, so this is an album that was suggested to us by Jeremy from New Haven, Connecticut. You know what, Jeremy? You're all right. Yeah, in fact, this is an album I'm not super familiar with. I'm familiar with three or four of the songs on here, uh, one of them being a song that's very popular in my mind and in my life for a number of years. But Oh, yeah. This is kind of my first real go at this album. I've listened to it before, but not very often, and I'll have to say that it'll probably be heavily in my rotation now. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and so, of course, tonight we're going to do Alice Cooper there, and when I say there, because this is the band Alice Cooper (laughs) before the man, Vince Fernier, changed his name to Alice Cooper, but we're going to do their album, Love It to Death. I'm going to give a little history on Alice Cooper first. The band was originally formed in Phoenix, Arizona in 1964, and it consists of Vince Fernier, who is also known now as Alice Cooper on (laughs) vocals, Glenn Buxton on lead guitar, Michael Bruce on rhythm guitar and keyboard, Dennis Dunaway on bass, and Neil Smith on drums. Now, when they first formed, a couple of those guys were different, but we're not going to get into those particulars. The band was originally named the Earwigs. Funny enough, they dress up in wigs to resemble the Beatles, and they parodied Beatles songs. Oh, really? Yeah, and they became (laughs) so popular doing that that they kind of got together and said, well, why don't we form a real band? Let's make some real music instead of just parodying another band. And so they soon named themselves the Spiders, and then shortly after that, they named themselves Naz, N-A-Z-Z. They did end up realizing there was another band named Naz, so they changed their name to Alice Cooper. And there's a lot of theories on why they did that. You know, legend says it Mm -hmm. come from a session with a Ouija board, but that's just because of who they are and... You know all this, but Alice Cooper himself said it's just a name they come up with. Everybody expected them because of the kind of dark music they played Mm to be named something satanic or demon sounding. And he just wanted to name them something that sounded like somebody's aunt, you know, somebody's name. And And that's really what it sounds like. I mean, I can really see these guys. Okay. What was your first girlfriend's name? Uh, Alice. And uh, okay. What's, uh, what's your favorite aunt's last name? Cooper. Okay, there it is. Yeah, so it's a very unassuming name in (laughs) our reality. I mean, now when you think of it, it's actually push it to that. You know, you Mm -hmm. you think of Alice Cooper with the makeup and the shock rock and the guillotines on stage and all that (laughs) stuff. But but back then it was just a normal name, right? And this band has had a huge influence on other bands with their sound of heavy metal, glam metal, art Mm -hmm. rock, whatever you want to call it. I put these guys right up there. Black Sabbath, Deep Purple is the beginnings of hard rock because they rock out this band rocks oh yeah i can see that this is uh these guys are pretty heavy yeah they are and alice cooper himself is widely known as the grandfather of shock rock that's mostly because of all his theatrical shows you know that he's known for putting on and Mm -hmm. like i said with with props you know with guillotines he'd have live snakes dancing skeletons Mm -hmm. etc etc blood whatever it was right and it and that's what it was was meant to do is to shock and it was kind of the first of its kind and guillotines he chopped his own head off and then had it roll across the stage yeah wouldn't it have been cool to see see him live in the heyday or them i should say and i always get that confused because you know alice cooper his name was vince fernier until he legally changed his name to alice cooper in 1975 and that was after the band broke up in 74 and that caused quite a few problems within the members of the group but i don't think it sat well with him because you know, they bro- the band broke up in 74. He changes his name in 75, and then he starts touring under that name. And, you know, Glenn Buxton and the rest and some of the other group toured under a name Billion Dollar Babies, which was one of their mm-hmm. album names and song names. And yeah, it seems like the rest of the bands might take some sort of ownership of the name. Yeah. The rest of the band members, I should say. Well, and I think listening to this album... For me, and we'll we'll definitely get into this, but this group is an excellent group. I'll say. I mean, talk about know how to play their instruments and play oh, them well. These guys can play. Yeah, and it's produced well and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the original band did reunite in 99 for a memorial show because Glenn Buxton had died in 97, and so they did a memorial oh. show for him. They also re, uh, reunited a couple other times and actually toured for a little while, too. And there is rumor that they may make another album. 
here soon. So nice. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I hope so. And I hope that they get somebody equally talented on lead guitar. So as a band, they released seven studio albums as the Alice Cooper band. Alice Cooper, the man, once he changed his name as a solo, released 21 studio albums. There were also 11 live albums and 21 compilation albums, which we've talked about this before. It's funny that, you know, altogether he's got 28 albums with the band himself, but he's got 21 compilation albums. It's funny how that works, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. As far as the band goes, five albums reached the top 40. School's Out hit number two. And Billion Dollar Babies hit number one, which was their highest charting album. Now, as far as Alice Cooper as a solo artist, he Mm -hmm. had five albums in the top 40 as well. And Welcome to My Nightmare, which was his first solo album, was his highest charting at number five. But he's turned out a lot more material. As far as the band goes during their tenure with the seven studio albums, they released 16 singles. And 11 of those singles hit the top 100, with Schools Out being their top single, and it hit number 7. Alice, as a solo act, released 32 singles, and he had 11 singles in the top 100. And his solo Poison, which was in 1989, hit number 7. That's kind of during Mm -hmm. his hair metal days, if you want to call it. Tried to kind of fit in with the Poisons and the Mm -hmm. Molly Crews. And that was one of the first albums I heard when I was a kid. And I really enjoy Mm -hmm. that album. I still do to this day. It is different than what we're hearing here, but it it was a good album. Overall, the band, Alice Cooper, and the solo artist, Alice Cooper, sold over 50 million records worldwide. And they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2011 as the Alice Cooper Band. So is it time to get to the album review? I think so. And now it's time for the album review. Okay, so we're going to review Alice Cooper, Love It to Death tonight. And this is suggested to us by Jeremy from New Haven, Connecticut. This album was released on March 9th, 1971 by Warner Brothers Records. Produced by Bob Ezrin and Jack Richardson and recorded at RCA Mid-American Recording Center in Chicago. Now this is the band Alice Cooper's third studio album. And on this, we'll go through it once again. You've got Alice Cooper also known as Vince Fernier at the time as lead vocals, and harmonica, Glenn Buxton as lead guitar, Michael Bruce as rhythm guitar and keyboards, Dennis Dunaway on bass, and Neil Smith on drums. Now, what's kind of different about this album is their first two albums had been very experimental. They'd kind of been hooked up with Frank Zappa, and they were more psychedelic and experimental. This one's certainly more heavy. Yeah, and, but, but there's some residuals of that psychedelia. There certainly is, yeah. but producer Bob Ezrin forced the band to endlessly rehearse these songs until they were done perfectly. And wow. I th- and I think that really shows. <laughs> it does. I think they were more of a off-the-fly jam band to begin with, but I think what Ezrin did with them really <laughs> brought them into success. Yeah, he had them put in the work Yeah, and to, to get to where they are. Exactly. And this album definitely had a newer hard rock sound opposed to the first two albums. You know, like that I said, we're, we're much more experimental. Mm-hmm. Still decent albums, but this one really brought them in. This album reached 35 on the Billboard charts, which was their highest to date. And it contains their first top 40 single as well, I'm 18, which it reached number 21 in the U.S. So this album's had worldwide sales of 1.5 million. It is certified platinum by the RIAA. And it's considered one of the early albums to inspire heavy metal and punk rock, all the sounds that come in the future. And like I said, Mm -hmm. I really put these guys the band especially, right in with Deep Purple and Black Sabbath as being the roots of hard rock, and you can hear that in there. And Mm -hmm. and there's when we get into it later on some of the song reviews, there are some songs that I really feel like sound like Deep Purple and even Black Sabbath in them. Even more modern bands or the the grunge style or the punk rock era. Yeah. You've got, like, you're seeing the seedlings of that just sprouting from the ground. Everybody's got to take their inspiration from somewhere, but it's amazing that we had bands like this that could bring a lot of these things to the new. So getting to the album cover, and it's not without controversy, (laughs) it's a pretty simple album cover. It's just black and white. Bands just on the front in black and white in a spotlight, but originally Alice Cooper was sticking his thumb through his pants and it looked kind of like a penis. Yeah. Uh, what would you call that? Like a jumpsuit? Yeah. Kind of looks like a jumpsuit he's wearing, but he's got like a plunging V. It's not a neck. Well, I guess you'd call it a plunging V neck that goes pretty much down to his waist. Yeah. And that's where he's got like his hands and he's got his thumb sticking out and like, oh, it looks like he's got his, his phallus. 
sticking through his yeah. his fly. I mean, it looks like a thumb. It's a, mean, it's his thumb. I mean, if that's his phallus, then he's you know not the rock star that I've heard about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the record company soon changed that, censored it out. But oh, I, yeah, I don't really consider it that big of a controversy. But it's far too shocking for Aunt Alice Cooper. Exactly. <laughs> so do you want to get to the album? Yeah. Let's, let's go to let's side one. Side one. Okay, so Side 1 opens up with Caught in a Dream. Okay, so Side 1 opens up with Caught in a Dream. This was written by rhythm guitarist Michael Bruce. Now, this was released as their second single off the album. It only reached 94 on the Billboard charts. And it's this song's pretty much a straight rocker. It's got yeah. good heavy guitar riffs, good bass line, good drums in it, everything, which you're going to hear me say that a lot. Apparently, Michael Bruce wrote this as a mocking description of someone caught up in the pursuit of wealth. Basically, that person finally realizes that pursuit of this wealth is not making them happy. And so that's kind of what this song's written about. What are your thoughts on this song? I really like the guitar opening. And one thing that you notice very strongly and right off the bat is that these guys have some excellent guitarists playing in here. The rhythm guitar, the lead guitar, the bass guitar, and then you get the drums in there too. And Alice Cooper, and you realize that these guys are, they're a pretty fine-tuned band. They're, they're really good. And I really get that from the, the lyrics, the writing of it, that, yeah, he is stuck in the middle of his pursuit, and he's so heavily invested in trying to make it big and get wealthy and get that Cadillac, that ride in a Cadillac, right? He's also getting worn out and fatigued from chasing it. Has he come too far to quit now, or is he, uh, or, or would he be giving up too much if he were to walk away? And that's... Uh, that's kind of the, the whole thing. He, he, there's a line in there I really like, trying to get away from the success snail. I'm wondering, is that uh, like a, a reference to that snail that's endlessly pursuing you? As long as you keep away from it, you'll live forever. But if it ever catches you, and if it, inevitably it will, then you die. Well, either that or the snail, success snail, just saying that success comes to you very slowly. That's probably more. But I don't know. You're the lyric guy. Yeah, that's true. Although you've been delving into the lyrics a lot. Oh, I do delve into them. I just pretend I don't. Yeah, so what, what are your thoughts on, on this, lyrics and otherwise? Well, kind of like you said, I, I think the guitar intro on this was amazing. That's going to be kind of the solid throughout this album. It's got good guitar after the first verse, especially. Got a really good guitar solo on it. The bass line is solid on this. It's really just a good rocker. And, and one thing I really did like about this song is I, I like the way the music and the guitar solo ends the song. And that's something we're going to find out on almost every song on this. You know, you don't have a lot of songs end with the lyrics. The lyrics will stop and then they'll rock out for a good another 30 seconds to up to two minutes to end the song, you know, and it seems to be kind of a going theme. That's something I also noticed about this album is there's a lot of instrumentals where they, not even necessarily sol solos, but jams, you know? Yeah. And I really like that. Yeah, and I do too. And I, that's a good, it's a good rocking song. It's mm -hmm. a good way to open the album. Sure was. So we move on to the second song, which is probably the best known song on this album. And one of, one of Alice Cooper's best known songs, I'm 18. And I like it. This was written by the whole band. It's credited the whole band. This one was released as their first single off this album, and it was the first single to break the top 40. It reached number 21 on the Billboard charts, number 7 in Canada, so the Canadians like this song quite yeah. a bit more. Is It My Body, which is also on this album, was the B-side of this single. Now, this song was originally an eight-minute jam, and it was called I Wish I Was 18 Again. But the producer, Ezrin, he did convince him to cut it down to a three-minute heavy rocking song. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where he wanted to put... You know, you still get them doing their, you know, musical solos and things over this. And I think this is where he came in and really turned them into a band, right? I wonder if that's why this song became so big. I really enjoy this song. And this is one song that I feel ends soon for me. Like, I, I want to hear that eight-minute version now. Yeah, so do I. It was yeah. the right way to do it because this song was their first big hit. You know, saying it hit number 21 on the Billboard charts it's still played on every classic rock station to this day. Yeah. I mean, I would say this one in schools out are probably his two most popular songs for sure. There, there I go again, his, yeah, you know, <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. If we get to their later albums, I can say his, but mm -hmm. this one should be there. But yeah. Anyways, this was written about 
basically about the feelings of a frustrated teenager growing up in the 60s. You could fight in the Vietnam War, but you couldn't vote. You couldn't drink. You know, Mm -hmm. you couldn't do a lot of those things. And that it just seemed kind of strange that, you know, you could go die for your country, but you couldn't do any of those other things. Well, not to mention suffer all the, even if you don't die, you're going to suffer like the traumatic and the PTSD, the lines forming in your, on your face and hands. That's one of the lines in there. I love from the song. Yes. You know, the pointing out these things that, yeah, you, it can age you going to war, but you still can't drink. We're going to card you. Yeah. And by the way, you can't vote yet either because I think at the mm-hmm. time, didn't you have to be 21 to vote? I think that's right. So on this song, like I said, it still receives a ton of radio play to this day. I hear mm-hmm. it all the time. Alice Cooper does play the harmonica on the opening of the song. What are your thoughts on this song? Uh, you know, I really like that harmonica opening. It's real nice. Uh, he's he's a talented musician in addition to a talented singer. Some excellent lines there. Baby's brain and old man's heart. You know, these things about being caught in the middle at uh, 18 where you're too old to be a child and yet you still are childish, but you're too young to be a man and yet you are considered a full-grown adult by the legal system it does have amazing lyrics you know don't always know what i'm talking about yeah i feel like i'm living in the middle of doubt exactly it's it's things like this and yet i still think also that not a single person in this band was 18 at the time no i think they were looking back to being 18 and you Mm -hmm. know like what like the original song was called i wish i was 18 again Mm -hmm. yeah and i don't think that an 18 year old could write an accurate song because they're they're not seeing eighteen with uh, twenty twenty vision. Uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So you have to be older and more experienced to understand what the circumstances and the conditions that you were ex- that you were experiencing at the time really meant. So what are your thoughts about this one? So it's got an amazing intro on it. It's very well known. I love it. I love the harmonica on it. There isn't much I don't like about this song. It's got an amazing bass line. The guitar. If you really sit down and listen to the guitar throughout, it's absolutely amazing. And these guys, every one of them is underrated mm-hmm. as a player, in my opinion. You know, the vocals, they're, they're Alice Cooper strained vocals. He's almost screaming or yelling in vocals. And that's yeah. just kind of his style, but it sounds perfect and under control. The drumming in this is amazing. The lyrics, like you said, they're so poignant on everything, you know, the way... I'd like to know who actually wrote the vocals to this. Well, you know, I got to hand it to Alice Cooper because he has that that strain in his voice that just expresses so much of the hormone-fueled teenage angst that yeah. comes when you're 18. It really just... This whole song envelops what it's like to be 18. Yeah, I like everything about this song. Musically... Lyrically, it's beautiful. I Mm -hmm. love the way the song ends with the keyboards. It just, you know, jams on them. I'm surprised this song only made it to 21 on the charts. Yeah, it should have been much higher. I would have thought this would have been a number one song through and through because Mm -hmm. it's an amazing song. So that moves us to the next song, Long Way to Go. Now, this one, once again, was written by rhythm guitarist Michael Bruce. And this is kind of, I wrote on the notes, this is a centerpiece of the rockers on the album. And and I don't even know if that's true. It is a good rocker. It's written about crazy homeless people, basically, that are dismissed without a thought. But in reality... Maybe they're the ones that know everything. Maybe they are the prophets. Maybe mm-hmm. they are the all-knowing beings, you know, when everybody's making fun of them and pointing fingers at them. Maybe they're the ones that truly know the world. And that's kind of what this song envelops. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this song? Uh, that's an interesting thing because the, uh, there's been movies and TV shows uh, made about that concept of are, are the people, these uh, homeless people pushing a cart down the, the road, collecting anything that might be of use to them later on and mumbling to themselves and just, you know, repeating mantras? That's what I was going to say yeah. is anytime I see, you know, when we've been in Vegas or wherever, yeah. almost everyone that's living out on the streets mm-hmm. sits there and talks to themselves. Just endlessly repeating to themselves over and over again the same stuff. Yeah. And so we all look at them and we're like, oh. They're crazy. They're mentally ill. They're, you know, having some sort of a, a, you know, schizophrenic psychological issue. But we don't really consider, well, are they, okay, now here's the thing is if you do sit and listen to them for for a minute, you probably understand that there's probably a psychological issue and it will erase any doubt. But, you know, that's something that's interesting to wonder is are these people potentially the ones that really see it 
for what it is. And I like the, I like those shows, these movies that they've uh, released that, that go delve into that, where these people are actually prophets, you know, what seems like gibberish mumbling to the, the passerby turns out to be prophetic rantings and a voice of warning that never gets heated. But even so, this song, I'm getting well way too much into the lyrics of I'd it. Say. I want to jump back into the music because this has some really nice instrumental interlude in it where it, the band just plays together. And you can tell that these guys are they're a jam band. They like to get together and do their instruments. But at the same time, are these tricks that can't be taught with kindness? Because it seems like Ezrin really beat it into them. And that's why they're so good. I think it is. It had to come from somewhere, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so what are your thoughts? Well, the one thing about this song is the drums, to me, really popped out. They sounded really good. It Mm -hmm. really shows how good of a drummer Neil Smith is, which, to be honest with you, I've never even heard of Neil Smith. I want to hear more of him from this. Mm -hmm. I want to hear more of the whole band. You know, It's a really good rocker, again, with a good beat to it. Uh, The vocals, again, are Alice's strange signature you know it's great i love it it has a good guitar solo in the middle where it's kind of far away and it Mm kind of builds up builds up and it's a great guitar solo. i love it the bass line's heavy in this which is really showing the only thing i didn't really like about this was the piano slash keyboard whatever Mm -hmm. it was at the end i didn't really like the way that fit into this song it didn't seem to fit real well but i really liked the ending because once again it ends with a good guitar riff and the music going out the vocals end a little sooner and it ends and i thought this was a good little rocking song it was fun to listen to i enjoyed it yeah so that brings us to the next song black juju now this one was written by dennis dunaway it's the longest song on the album it's just a little over nine minutes long And it's actually the longest song that Alice Cooper, the band, or the solo act ever recorded. Kind of hard to say what this is about, right? But if you really listen to the lyrics and and that, I mean, it's about black magic and dead bodies and things like that, right? It's a pretty dark song, but I think it's... Necromancy. That's kind of what it seems like. (laughs) And, And I wrote on here... The hippie era seems to be over because this isn't this isn't love and flowers and smoking pot. This is no flower power is gone. Yeah, you know we're talking seventy one. Trip. This is a new thing. What are your thoughts on this song? Uh, This is the song that lets you know that the hippies need to start getting a job. (laughs) Yeah, the hippies are over. Yeah, this was a a really interesting song though musically very. It really captures that thing. It very feels very voodoo-ish. Feels, this is, what, like I was saying, very psychedelic. You feel that Frank Zappa uh, residuals and the influence there. But you got a lot of the heavy rock in yeah. it, too, which is mm-hmm. a good mix, really. It really is. And that's something that, like I said, you'll start to see things, and you'll hear a little bit of you know things like My Chemical Romance growing out of this and stuff. You know, the emo uh, music come, comes out, out of things like this, and it's... Uh, uh, and then there's that, you know, that darkness and uh, that hard, heavy rock. But boy, it's so fun. And, uh, you know, this song, I, I, I got to say, this song wasn't my favorite, but it, it, that's just, it didn't really hit the chords in me that I was looking for. And I'm not really sure why, because I like scary movies. This is, you know, kind of a, spook, a spooky sh- song about necromancy and stuff. But even, you know, even though it, it just wasn't, you know, ringing my bell. It was a good, it was a fun song to listen to, and it was really good rock, really good rock and roll. Uh, what are your thoughts about it? Well, written by their bass player Dennis Dunaway, I I think this is meant to be a shocker, you know, just to get mm-hmm. into that evil and dark side. Funny enough, out of all these songs, I have the most notes on this one out of any of them, and maybe that's just because it was so damn long. It you know? was, <laughs> yeah. but this is a song I don't recall hearing before. So this is, I think. I don't think it's my first listen because I have listened to this album a time or two before, but mm-hmm. it's it's been a while and I don't recall it. I think I've heard the name before, but I'd never heard this song. Yeah, so, you know, it starts out with a marching band. It's almost like a high school marching band at the start, mm-hmm. and it, it's getting closer and closer. It, you know? This song is mostly instrumentals. Yeah, th- there's a lot of talking. There are mm-hmm. some lyrics in it, but, you know, the keyboard comes in right after that marching band, and it reminds me of Deep Purple in Rock, mm-hmm. like the whole album. Yeah. 
And then the heavy guitar kicks in, and it's got a creepy sound all together. I mean, the music itself, even if there were no lyrics, you didn't know what it was about, the music itself is creepy sounding. Oh, it is. This is not Mrs. Baumgartner's church organ. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but it kicks all over because then right in the middle, there's like a surf-style guitar right before it slows down. And then it has that slow-down part where he's just talking. Then it has a false ending where the song completely stops kicks back in with some talking lyrics whatever you want to call them it's just pretty much talking you know there's no singing then the drums kick back in and that whole section in the middle reminds me of iron butterfly in agata davida it's almost exactly Mm -hmm. like it it's really strange so and then it kicks back in well he goes wake up wake up wake up and then it kicks back in heavy again and i'd like that i'd like the juxtaposition Mm -hmm. between the slowdowns and where it kicks back in heavy. I like that musicianship in it. Yeah, this song really feels like you're at some sort of voodoo ritual where they're trying to resurrect a body. And this is another case where the lyrics end pretty early with a couple minutes left to go on the song, and then the really good guitar solo starts. And then it just has a crazy ending with keyboard and guitar and drums and bass all together, just a huge orgasm of sound that ends the song. And and, and then just to, in case you were wondering what to call this song, it ends with black choo-choo. Yeah, but that's about two minutes before the song ends. That's true. But that's the last <laughs> lyric. Yeah. Oh, that's the last lyric of the song. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is a hidden gem on this song. I tend mm-hmm. to like songs like this. It really reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of Deep Purple, like I said, in rock, a lot of the songs on in rock, and then one section that reminded me of Anagata DeVita. I really like the songs that have a lot of slowdowns and then kick back into heavy, and it's just a really good song. I actually found myself quite liking this one. So do you want to go to side two? Yep, let's flip it over. Side two. Okay, so side two opens up with Is It My Body? Now, this is another song written by the whole band, credited the whole band. This was the B-side of I'm 18. Now, this was written about encounters with groupies and whether the groupies really cared for them or not or wanted them for their fame. Now, I think I know the answer to that, don't we all? Did they find out the hard way? Uh, They must have. You know, rock stars really just need love, do They do. This is another good hard rock song. It's got funky bass into it, heavy guitar riffs throughout. What are your thoughts on this song? Uh, this song is a bunch of broken-hearted men uh, whining about how they're not just a piece of meat. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. But uh, beside that, really good guitar licks in this song. Boy, these guys can rock. And um, I really like their uh, their bass. And you're right. It's got that real funky bass and real heavy guitar riffs that just get you jamming, you know, get, get the toes to happen. There's a line in this song, have you got the time to find out who I really am? So, like, that's the question for the group for the groupie is are you just here for a moment to mark in your journal or to check off your bucket list or to be able to brag to all your friends about or share a story at at cocktail parties about how you got with some famous band member or are you really looking for a relationship are you willing to put in the time for this what are your thoughts well the question to that is 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 this the first band to write a song whining about the groupies only wanting them for their bodies I'm just saying, it seems kind of whiny. And I and I love this song. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah. I love this song. It, it's got an amazing intro. But it's just, you know, that whole concept of falling in love with an image or a character. It's kind of like, you know, an actor walking down the street. Somebody sees Richard Dean Anderson. They're like, oh, MacGyver, MacGyver. Richard Dean Anderson's an actor. He's not MacGyver. He played MacGyver. Yeah, but the difference yeah. with this band is Alice Cooper... <laughs> Made himself he, he Alice Cooper. He became Alice Cooper, right? Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't really have that leg to stand on, Alice. No, he doesn't. Yeah. The groupies can be like, hey, you know, I just want your third leg to stand on for a while. Exactly. And usually you have to pay extra for that. Yeah, but this song has got an amazing intro. I really like how it kicks in after the first verse, and they seem to do that a lot, start songs kind of slow and then kick in heavy, because it is a heavy song. It's mm-hmm. It's got amazing guitar throughout. And if you don't know who Glenn Buxton is, which I knew of Glenn Buxton, but I want to hear more of Glenn Buxton. I want to hear more of the Alice Cooper group. I really want to dive in. I know the School's Out album fairly well and the Killer album fairly well. I want more because this band really is impressive to me. The bass line is very, very powerful in this song. And the drumming, I think the drumming and the bass in this song sound out great. The vocals, once again, are great. There's some kind of echo on 
on his voice, and I think it fits in really well. It's just a good rocking mm-hmm. song, and it's yeah. the second shortest song by a few seconds on the album. It's just a little over two and a half minutes long. You know, and it feels like really, it's a very competent song for being just two minutes. So it moves us on to the next song, which is actually the shortest song on the album, exactly two and a half minutes, Hallowed Be My Name. Now, this was written by Neil Smith. Essentially, he's written it about self-righteous and hypocritical people that use churches and religions as a facade to point a finger at other people. And also a little bit from what I'd read about pairing our sins and struggles with others at the same time, you know? So what are your thoughts on this song? Once again, that excellent guitar work. It's a really good song, this one. I think this is a song that really ticked off the parents. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is something that just, it, this is, uh, this is not something that the adults of the time want to listen to. This is, you know, kids just trying to rebel against authority. You know, this really has a lot of that. I'm listening to the lyrics of this and listening to the the music. And I'm just like, wow, this is like the priest listening to confessions. In fact, he talks about like the things. Uh, there's some line in there about listening to the uh, things that other people have done or the sins that other people have committed, but then like turning it back around on themselves, like they're not, they're not confessing their own sins. So you got like a, a priest going into a confessional, listening to other people's sins and then going around molesting kids. So, I mean, it's, it's that whole hypocrisy. And I really like that. That part really resonated with it, with me just because this is a lot of like the, uh, the upbringing that I had is uh, my experience with religious people is you get a lot of that hypocrisy. Well, I think, I think you do, but I think also there's just hypocrisy in everybody yeah. with everything, you mm-hmm. know, not just religion, but, but yeah. religion is the one place where they stand out saying they are better than everyone or trying yeah. to be better than everyone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this, this really struck a note with me in the lyrics yeah. as well. So the, the hallowed be my name, it be my name. That's a, perfect title for this song and i loved it what are your thoughts about this song like i said it really struck a chord with me i i like the lyrics in it i like the meaning of it because i pretty much agree with it all Mm -hmm. as far as musically it's got a pretty decent organ keyboard intro that's decent it keeps a Mm -hmm. good beat the drums are probably the strongest thing in this it's got a pretty good guitar solo in it i didn't think the guitar was as featured as prominently in this as others but it still is, you know, it's just the other ones are so much stronger. Yeah, I think that they tried to subdue it and tried to play more with the instruments of the church, right, or the, the religious instruments. Yeah, and, and I think Alice's vocal's good. It's not mm-hmm. as strongest on the album. This probably isn't my favorite song on the album. To me, it's more of a filler, not one I'm going to skip or anything yeah. like that, but just nothing that strikes out to me. I think the lyrics on this one actually hit more at home with me than anything, but yeah. musically, the song, you know, is okay. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at on that one. It fits. The, the song fits the album. It does. So it brings us to the next song, Second Coming. Now, this song was written by Alice Cooper, or Vince, mm-hmm. as we should say, alone. Mm-hmm. It's the only song on the album that he wrote alone. It's basically challenging Jesus, the devil, you know, the devil's getting smarter all the time. But in that mm-hmm. manner, you know, it's kind of like Alice writing about faith, you know, used to be more recognizable to him before alcohol and drugs took over. So almost realizing that faith is where it's at for him. But because of alcohol and drugs and fame and things like that, they're taking over. And it's actually like the devil's winning when he knows what game he should be in almost, mm-hmm. you know, that that's kind of yeah. what he's written it about. What are your thoughts on this song? So my thoughts on this song is it's got some really excellent instrumentals, especially towards the end. It's got this real foreboding guitar that, uh, what, what do we call it? The wah guitar. And, uh, then the drums join in and it's like a march, you know, these drums just, you know, playing like it's, I'm like, is this a funeral procession? Because that's what it's starting to feel like. And the keyboard joins in. And then all of a sudden it uh, turns into a music box. But that's because it fades into the next song. And that's where he had to point out to me that, oh, that's the next song. But uh, before that, you know, that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like he's mourning. or not Mourning is a good word for it. Yes, I'm going to stick with mourning. He's mourning the death of faith that he had once clung to. Because, you know, this is just it is, uh, you know, the devil 
is getting smarter all the time. The devil's still here amongst us. He he talks about himself being Jesus, where he he wants to walk on the water again, wants to have angels, you know, sitting by his side and talking with him. The devil still has all of this and he's still practicing at it. And Jesus, well, he got, you know, ascended back up into heaven. That that was his end. The devil, he's he's still getting the practice. He's still there getting experience. And boy, he's getting good at it too. So what are your thoughts? Well, I tend to side with the devil mm-hmm. on most occasions anyways. I think this is kind of Alice's shot at a ballad on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me of a ballad. It does do what a lot of the other songs do is it starts really slow and then kicks in kind of heavier after the first verse. The drums and bass are decent in this song, but I don't think they stand out in this song as much as they do others. Like I've said before, this one it's another one of those that has a musical breakdown at the ending after the lyrics and you know, and it keeps going and it, I do like the piano in this one. I know that probably makes me a little hypocritical because I, it just depends. It's got to fit mm-hmm. and it didn't fit in the other song it was on, but it fits in this one. And I think it's because it ends it where it goes into the fade, it hits that piano and then it goes into the fade and it moves us into the next song, which is the ballad of Dwight Fry. The ballad of Dwight Fry was written by Michael Bruce and Alice Cooper and it's a salute to the actor Dwight Fry with an E on the end of his name. Alice mm-hmm. apparently left E off the, the name to... So it's s- totally different. ...save himself from being sued somehow. I don't, I don't know if that would play out really in a court of law, but... <laughs> and Dwight Fry, he is actually an actor played of a, a lot of different characters in old, mm-hmm. old horror films and was known as being kind of crazy. So, mm-hmm. but, but in the song, you know, Dwight Fry descends into a madness... That basically ends him up in a straitjacket. You know, mm-hmm. he sees ghosts. He wanders aimlessly on the streets. He ultimately ends up institutionalized. And it captures that section of it, but then it also captures the anguish of his family watching him go through all this. This is a song that when Alice Cooper would play it live with the band and solo, he would start in a straitjacket which he would eventually <laughs> escape from and then strangle a nurse. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that sounds like Alice Cooper. Yeah, this is one of his theatrical songs. And yeah, it's this per- is the Alice Cooper we love. <laughs> yeah, and it's a pretty popular song when it comes to Alice Cooper. So what are your thoughts on this song? I like that this song's written from a first-person account. There's like this uh, psychiatric, do we say, a mantra. Do people who are crazy or insane know that they're crazy or insane? And so that's kind of the thing is... You see this person from the first person dialogue, given his story, he, you know, it seems so normal. And then all of a sudden hits a hard left into insanity. And these things, like he starts screaming out, like, you know, what's happening to me? What's going on here? You know, what, why are you doing this to me? And he keeps repeating that over and over and over again. And at first it sounds like a, a scream for help that any of us would like you know what why are you doing this to me sort of thing alice cooper does or i I should say vince does something amazing with his voice uh screaming this out and it changes so subtly and gently into the rantings and the ravings of the insane and you hear it and it it goes from being like a cry for help to being the ravings of the insane it sounds like an insane asylum i think written in the first person was the perfect way to do this song as far as lyrically i don't think no it other way to as do well it. Yeah. yeah what what else can i say about this what i'm going to say is what are your thoughts well my thoughts are you know the lyrics are really interesting i loved it mm-hmm. you know i loved reading the lyrics and just hearing his anguish throughout the whole thing I like how it starts. You've got a little boy or a girl or something. Mommy, yeah. where's daddy? Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it starts. And you're, I've heard this song before, so mm-hmm. I expected that. But then it has a really good acoustic beginning and a good bass line to go with it. And then once again, after mm-hmm. the first verse, it hits heavy. Yeah. This song hits really heavy. And it's a really good heavy song. And the mm-hmm. one thing, I shouldn't say the one thing because there's a lot of things I like about this song. The dr- the drums are just amazing in this. It has that slow down again and then back into the heaviness. It's mm-hmm. got, during the chorus, it's got great, amazing guitar licks on it. I love this song musically. Mm-hmm. I think the lyrics were done amazing. Alice's voice is perfect in this. Well, on the parts he's singing, you know, and not just screaming that he's crazy. And then the song ends with an explosion, and then you have a change in speed, and it has a good heavy ending, which is, I really like having different endings like that that don't just simply fade. 
other than this one, does kind of fade into the next mm-hmm. song in a way. I, I really like this song. You, you make a good point with um, like the speed, the tempo of this song. It changes and it gets, it speeds up and gets faster as the insanity starts or as these manic episodes start to take hold. And um, you see the insanity and like he's somebody who can hold it together pretty well until he can't. And then all of a sudden it speeds up and it goes completely berserk. Yeah. And like I stated before, I tend to like songs Mm -hmm. that start slow and build and build and build and then go heavy and then have slowdowns and faults. Mm -hmm. False endings and things yeah. like that. I, I really think it shows the musicianship mm-hmm. in it. And, you know, when this song or even this whole album, when it's heavy, it's heavy. And when it's slow, it sounds good and kind of creepy, you know, which yeah. is the whole mysticism of Alice Cooper. And it starts off so innocently from that music box with the acoustic. I mean, what's yeah. more innocent and pure than the acoustic? And then all of a sudden, like, it delves into the electric yeah but that's the music following the craziness of dwight fry right it is (laughs) so yeah an excellent song in my opinion that brings us to the last song on the album sun arise now this is the only cover on the album it was written by a couple australians harry butler and rolf harris i have not heard the original and this is really the first time i remember hearing the alice cooper song i've heard waltzing matilda Well, that's close. That's really close. Now, this was written about Aboriginal beliefs where they seen the sun, well, and planets in general as goddesses or some kind of deities or something like that. This is kind of an interesting song. What are your thoughts on this? This song really captures um, that Australian immense night sky. Have you ever been out somewhere where you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's completely black? There's no city lights, no light pollution anywhere. You look up at the sky and you didn't realize any time in your life how many stars are or how big that night sky is. It's humongous. And there's no wonder that when our, these people, our ancestors, the aboriginals, people who live out in the country, are out there without television, nothing to do in their nighttime. So they look up at the sky and wow. They, they're just blown away by it. Then the sun comes up in the morning and, and brings the warmth back to the earth. They, they get that sense that, yeah, the sun is something special. It's reviving the earth and making it warm again, making things live. It, it sounds very Aboriginal, very repetitive, very Australian. For what it is, pretty decent song. I just felt like it, it, it was a weird fit for the album. It didn't really fit there and kind of weird way to close it out. In my opinion, what are your thoughts? I would have to agree with that. Had kind of a simple bass plucking with a little drum mm-hmm. to start off. And the drums to me did sound Aboriginal or native American <laughs> type of drumming. Yeah. It would, you would expect there. It's got a good bass line with good guitar solo in the middle. I didn't care for the repetitive chorus over and over. You know, sun arise, whoa, oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh, sun arise, whoa, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. That does not fit this album at all, does and it? This was the weakest song on the album, and I didn't think it needed to be here. I think ending with the Ballad of Dwight Fry mm-hmm. would have been better choice. I really think this song... I don't know. I just think it's probably the one skipper for me on the album. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't care much for it. Like I said, it just doesn't fit. It was okay. Yeah. It was you know, right. but not great, and I wouldn't have a problem if it wasn't on this album. And that's probably the only song I can really say that about. Yeah, but I, standing on its own, I mean, this is, this belongs on Australia's Greatest Hits. Well, the thing is, is they did such an excellent job of writing every song on this mm-hmm. album, and I know yeah. they had more in their repertoire. Why they threw this cover, cover on there, and this cover yeah. to be, which is really strange, and I think you hit it on the head. Why end the album with this? It's, it's mm-hmm. weak. It's really weak. So do you want to get to winners and losers? I think we're ready. Winners and losers. Okay, Ty, we have no rules here. Give me your two or three least favorite songs. Sun Arise, like a, like I said, just not a, doesn't fit the album. Also, I'm okay, I'm going to go with three. Uh, my next uh, least favorite, Second Coming, not a bad song, but it just seemed like it didn't, shouldn't have taken that long to get this message across. It seemed like it just kept saying the same stuff over and over and over again. And then... My third least favorite doesn't really belong on the least favorite list is going to be Black Juju. 
then you shouldn't have listed three. Yeah, but I'm kind of a dick, aren't I? I guess. So I'm, just for the sake of it, I'm going to say Black Juju. It just, uh, like I said earlier, it didn't really ring that bell with me. What about your losers? Well, obviously, if you can tell, Sun Arise is going to be the worst song on the album for me. It's the one that could have been left off and easily could have been skipped. I'm only going to name two because I only think two songs deserve that, and I would name Hallowed Be My Name. I didn't really care for that song that much. It's not one I would want left off the album. I thought it was good right in the middle how it was. It's an okay song. You know, it's not a skip, but and it's fine on the album, but it just wasn't as strong as the others. All right. So, um, and Hall- I know that's going to be, be my name is one of my favorites. I, and I knew it would be. That was going to be the next thing I said after you re- you know, after you talked to me about that, I knew it would uh-huh. be. So give me your favorite. Yeah, so Hallowed Be My Name, uh, that one, like I said, that song was written for me because I really like that song. That did ring my bell. Well, and keep mm-hmm. in mind, mine's more based on the music on that song. I thought True. the lyrics were very, you know, mm-hmm. they did strike a chord with me. Yeah. But as far as musically, the song wasn't mm-hmm. as strong as the rest on the album. Exactly. So I, I completely agree with where you're coming from. That being said, it's still on my favorites. Yeah. Um, also, is it my body? I like the weird songs and the, this uh, this weird rock stars lament about how I can't find love because every girl's just trying to bang me. I love yeah, that. Yeah, boohoo. Huh? Yeah, poor you. And absolutely top favorite. I'm 18. That one's uh, it's such a relatable song, and I think that's why it, it it's so relatable that it just captures being 18. For anybody and it still holds true today your favorites uh we're we're in the same line here a little bit my third favorite is is it my body i've always loved that song i love the lyrics of it i love it musically it's a really good song i just think it's a good song right uh my second favorite ballad of dwight fry I really like everything that song mm-hmm. invokes. I, I like the imagery of the lyrics. I like how the music follows the strength of the lyrics, whether it be up or down. It musically shows how great a singer Alice is. It shows the band as a whole, the drums, the bass, the lead guitar, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And it's just a strong song. And I haven't really listened to it a lot. I've heard it before, but I really I think I'm going to find this song... And this album, a place on my playlist quite often. Uh, Number one song, we're right on track there. I'm 18. That song is everything. Musically, lyrically, I mean, for me, the the feeling it brings me from my childhood. And I, even when that song comes on the radio now, I don't think I suffer from any kind of ear burn of hearing that too often because I just love the song. I stop and listen to it. That is just a powerful song through and through. And there's, it's perfect. You know, something that I didn't mention in the review, but I want to bring it out now is that the beat of it, boom, boom, boom. It's such a heavy thudding beat. On line 18. Yeah. Yeah. That song and that beat, it just, it feels like the realizing that adulthood is drudgery. And now that you're grown up, you have to have a job that you have to go to every day. And you're going to have to work until you die to pay your bills, right? Yeah, and that's the thing that's so powerful about that song. If you're a lyric guy mm-hmm. like you are, that song fits perfect yeah. because... The lyrics are so great rhyming, and they have so much image and force building to them. But the music, too, is so strong, it and it's just a perfect soup yeah. for a three-minute song and a single. And it's mm-hmm. a shame it only hit number 21, because that's a number one song. It really is. I don't care what anybody says. Do you want to get to the album rating? Yep, let's rate it. Album rating. Okay, Ty. Let's see. We've listened to Alice Cooper, the band. We've listened to their third studio album, Love It to Death, for the first time. I think you've... For the first time, heard every single song on here except "I'm 18." Correct? That's right. Eight, "I'm 18" was the first was the only one that I've heard before, and I mean, I would be I I, I was going to say I would be ashamed to get this far in my life without having heard it, but I'm sure there's probably a people out there who haven't heard that song. I don't know who they are, but you have my sympathy, and you should listen to it. Yeah, this album, nine songs. One of them really doesn't fit. No. But eight pretty good songs. I'm going to have to go with an eight on this one. I don't, I'm not going to go eight and a half. I'm going to give it a solid eight. Because the, the ballad of uh, Dwight Fry really helps bring it up. There's a couple of just glistening 
gems in this album that uh it just goes to show that this is a very well-practiced band like we talked about uh in the introduction they're so well put together the producer bob ezrin really beat it into them and got them honed into something very special and um congratulations to vince on changing his name to alice and bogarting that name for the rest of his life i think it turned out fairly well for him it did but you know really we've got to give uh fair credit to the rest of alice cooper the band because yeah. these guys are all masters of their craft i agree what's your rating so you know like i said i haven't listened to this album a ton in fact it's been a long time since i have so much i don't remember but i do know most of the songs a few of them are new to me Sun Arise, just like you said, the ninth song on the album doesn't belong. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't hurt my feelings either way. In fact, I think it would strengthen the album with it yeah. being gone. That being said, out of the eight remaining songs, even the one, Hallowed Be My Name, that I said was one of my least favorite, is still a strong song mm-hmm. and has a connection with me. I was just, I knew I had to pick two, yeah, right? exactly. So with those eight songs, there's not a skipper for me. This is a very strong album. I give it an eight and a half. All right. This is going to find its way... To me, more often. Yeah, without a doubt. So Jeremy from New Haven, Connecticut, where Jim Morrison was arrested, by the way. Jeremy probably don't remember unless he was around in 68. I have no idea how old Jeremy is, but good on you, Jeremy, for recommending this one. Yes, I appreciate that. We appreciate it because it was a good recommendation, and it's Mm -hmm. one that I'm going to be following up with quite often. Yes, sir. Alice Cooper, love it to death. If you guys have any suggestions, comments... Want us to review something, don't like what we've reviewed, have anything to say about Tyler or mm-hmm. Justin in general, email us, classicvinylpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter. Please go out and share us with your friends. We appreciate you guys giving us the downloads and listens. It helps mm-hmm. us a lot. Any reviews you can give us help us a ton. We'd appreciate it. We'd love hearing our vinyl fans' opinions. We um we hope you enjoy hearing our opinions. We want to hear yours as well. So exactly, especially if you don't agree with us. Yeah, go ahead and give us your own album ratings. Tell but us what you think. Send us in some more suggestions on albums. We've got a bunch lined up. So yeah, this uh this album was supposed to be coming uh down the ways, but it got bumped up because of Jeremy. So uh you certainly being our listeners, you can have an influence over us. You yeah. Can. And we've handpicked a lot of albums that we knew we liked. This and isn't really one that I that just popped up in my mind. So Jeremy, I appreciate it. That's our review. I hope we did it justice and until next time. See you later. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Classic Vinyl Podcast for updates and also share us with your music-loving friends. Mm-hmm.